it's like the fussy fella's verdant view. Words, view, words. Hello, hello, and welcome to Fossey Fellas Verdant Viewers, the podcast about the FX musical drama series Fossey. Forward slash Verdant? Or is that, no, yes. is that a backslash? I always no, mix it's a up. Forward the, slash. That's a forward slash Verdant, the uh, podcast about uh, the musical. Wait, <laughs> all that slash talk got me, uh, got me mixed up where I was in the intro. Uh, the musical drama series. Fosse forward slash Verdon that aired on uh, FX. Uh, no slash in FX, though it could be stylized that way if you wanted to. F forward slash X. Um, the in, in this year, 2019, 20 slash 19, um, <laughs> the age you are, uh, if somebody said, <laughs> what, what age are you as a college sophomore? You might go, eh, 20, yeah, 20 slash, slash 19. 19. <laughs> uh, my name is Jimmy slash Blackman. And I am Marty forward slash Scanlon. And uh, together we are the Fosse Fellas slash forward slash the Verdon uh, viewers because we uh, watch that show that I mentioned and uh, become better fellas and viewers, right? Is that yeah, about right? We become, that yeah, I think we're I think we're becoming better fellows and better viewers every day. Our, our weekly chats have turned into... Not just business, but pleasure for me, James. That's right. When when people uh, when when the flight attendant talks to me before we start our chats, they say, "Is this mm-hmm. is this FaceTime chat for business or pleasure?" And I say, "Well," and I put my hand on their shoulder. Uh, but I ask before I do it. I say, "May I put my hand on your shoulder?" And they say, "Yes, generally." And I say, "Well, it's for both." And then I walk right on to the gang. And then plank. and then you say. And we're rolling. We are technically a podcast called Smash Bros about the musical drama series Smash that ran on NBC from 2012 to 2013. Uh, but right now we're the Fosse Fellows viewers. We're here to talk about episode seven, seven of eight uh, of the uh, of, of Fosse Verdon. Um, what this episode? I know what this episode's called. I do too. Wow, look at us both being such good school school students. It's uh, it's one word, and it, I mean it's one like compound word, and uh, and it's sung a lot in the episode. It's nowadays. Nowadays, these days, the kids just want to sing their merry songs. I, I said to Jimmy right before we rolled that I've been at work all day. We were recording this on um, on the holiday, you know, the holiday day. Memorial Day Today is Monday, Monday, and um, my brain is toast. And a customer today sat next to me and went, how's it going? How's your day going? And then he kind of went, besides the fact that you're here and probably, <laughs> uh, yeah, if it makes you feel better, I- I'm-, I'm working too. And I was like, it doesn't, but thank you. And he was like, yeah, I get it. It sounds like <laughs> this guy had a lot to unload. <laughs> like, And for my first yeah, thought was he, like, he wow, really this needed... guy's really empathetic and nice. And then my second thought was like, I think he wants to talk about his day. Um, yeah, he really needed a, a, a warm, a warm hand, a helping friend. I, th- did you ask if you could put your hand on exist. his shoulder? A warm hand. I said, and can a I put my warm friend? hand on your shoulder because I am a helping friend? <laughs> my warm, wet hand. <laughs> Psychotic. <laughs> Marty, Marty, you're doing great at the job, but we need your hands are so warm and wet. Um, <laughs> that's your performance v- review. Your your monthly performance review. Um, monthly. 
Yeah, it's uh, we're thinking of making it bi-monthly, by which I mean twice a month, not every two not months. Not every two months. Yeah. Uh, gotta get those performance reviews in. Uh, this episode, uh, let's get into it. It's, um, we, we've been, I, I was gonna say we've, we've both been eagerly guessing what future episodes will be, but I think that's more me. I just, I've been fascinated with what the next two episodes are gonna be, so. No, very much. this one up, I was, I was interested to see where we would go, and, uh, we went right into the heart of Chicago, uh, Lincoln Park. Right on North and Clybourne. (laughs) And you know what? You said Lincoln Park and I said North and Clybourne, which, you know what? We we really met in the middle in a very real way right then. That was pretty impressive for people who are 350 uh, miles apart. We are more than 350 miles apart. How far is Los Angeles from New York? 600 miles. miles. Welcome back uh, to Marty Scanlon's <laughs> Beautiful Planet. We're going to talk all uh, about geography today. All right. Uh, monthly performance review. Big, wet, warm <laughs> hands. And really, uh, this, your sense of... Yeah, uh, how far across is it across the store to that other section? Uh, three feet, it's about I think. four I think seconds. It's about three, <laughs> three feet. Four um, inches. <laughs> uh, you know, an inchworm? About four of those. Um <laughs> Uh, this episode was about the, uh, you know, the rehearsal process into, into opening night, into, into the run of Chicago. Uh, Bob's, you know, out of, uh, he's had his open heart surgery and he's back and it's, they've, they've staved off rehearsals for, for four months. Gwen has fought for him to stay in as director and they're ready to rehearse again. And he, uh, and, and that's where we start. I watched this a few days ago, and I truly, I remember very specific images that stuck out to me, but I, I cannot remember story beats. I remember the device of Gwen Verdon at the beginning, sort of in the, um, you know, the, using the, the exact, yeah, using the exact things from, from Chicago, the tale. I, I don't remember what it is. I almost just said from Macbeth, it's a tale told by an idiot well, full of sound doesn't and fury. she, isn't the, maybe, maybe the, I'm going to reveal my stupidity here, but isn't, isn't what she's doing there... Like doing the cabaret MC thing, or is she doing a Chicago thing? Oh, I th- I think it's Chicago, but I could be wrong. Because she looks it's... a lot like Joel Gray as the MC when she's doing that. But I I this is why I'm saying I'm stupid because I didn't like look it up afterwards. But my thought was like, oh, that's kind of a weird framing device to use. Because she starts by saying like, I think I'm just stupid. She starts by saying like, welcome in that little bowler hat and in the little tuxedo and i was like oh she's saying welcome it's cabaret but i think Um, i think you're i i could be wrong and i wish that i could remember the exact line but it's like this is a tale of deception greed whatever yeah yeah i think it's from chicago but yeah no i mean that makes you know it makes way more sense for it to be from chicago that's what the episode's about they like barely ever mention i guess what it was was it starts with that and then we see that flashback to like the early 60s of them like fighting her like throwing glasses and all that and that's like them in their looks from around the time of cabaret so i think i yes. just i in my head i got that she was doing the the mc thing but that it doesn't make sense i mean i guess when you think about it both of those shows are like set in basically the same time period they have similar they're both candor and ebb show i guess it is sort of easy to easy to mix them up um, um. 
there is a show about murder, deception, betrayal, greed. Yeah, I just looked up that for Chicago, and that's what comes up. Yeah. So I think that's okay. fa- safe right. to say. All right. So my monthly performance review is I mix up my candor and ebb musicals. Uh, but boy, do you know how far apart they were. Uh, yeah, but I guess I'd say about uh, 13 years, maybe. <laughs> uh, which is um, four, so four we, uh... or five long inchworms. Um, go ahead. Right, exactly. And no, I just I liked that image a lot of, you know, sitting in the shattered glass and then... Um... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The proposal with the gum wrapper sitting in the shattered yeah. glass. Um, yeah, this was an interesting episode. Uh, I think last week got me thinking you know when i was talking about how i was like kind of confused by the flashbacks and then they came together in this very clear way at the end uh last week yeah and this on in this episode i sort of so it sort of had me in that mindset of thinking like why are we pairing the show so much about like the way it edits and cuts between time periods and all that and i guess this episode had me wondering like it had it just had me in the mindset of thinking why are we seeing these things matched up so like the main thing that we we're cutting between was chicago and the story of them trying to conceive their daughter and going through meeting with an adoption agency meeting with a fertility doctor right. and then eventually conceiving nicole and i really really liked this episode but i was it was less i do get how they connected those things i think it was because Gwen saw Chicago as being about right, as being an investment in Nicole's future, as that they would make a lot of money from this and they would the show would tour and all that, and that's what it was about. It was that was a less effective connection for me. Right. Well, I think um, it also it also right is is like that conceiving a show sure is is a, is conceiving a child in a way yeah, that's, that you're that's making true. sacrifices I, I have, and you're working together. Right. I had not thought of of that 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 is a good point um but so but so yeah so we get into the process he's he's back he's at rehearsals and already the first day back basically the doctors uh his cardiologists have like taken him off of all of these vices that he had the the prescriptions the non-prescriptions all all of these various things that he's been doing he's not following that very well he's still smoking he's still drinking but he no longer has his um, whatever whatever the speed that he I I'm forgetting what it was called but it's some sort yeah. of amphetamine that he's been taking dexedrine I want to say yeah that something like right. that uh, and so he tries to get various people to get it for him uh, Norbert is in there Norbert Leo Butts uh, as Patty Chayefsky I thought was great in this episode he's like uh, hold on what do you mean you can't everything's fine without it and I'll kill you if you do anything that yeah, wasn't very good at all. I, <laughs> if you uh you know what i'm not gonna you if you want to kill yourself do it but i'm not gonna go and get cocky the gun and and if you do kill yourself i'll fart, i'll kill you after you kill yourself yeah i'll that fart not, not i'll fart idea. on you i'm gonna fart I'll, on your head I'll, I'll fart on your head <laughs> and they set up uh, something that i googled and found to be true which is that they they made this agreement that if bob fossey died first Patty Chayefsky would give a long, rambling, unfunny eulogy, and if Chayefsky died first, Bob Fosse would would tap dance. And tap his dance funeral, uh, and one of those things did pay off in life. I won't spoil it for you. Um, Is Patty Chayefsky still alive? Yeah, he's alive. He's my neighbor, so uh, no, he's he is dead now. Uh, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so then 
he gets a like a chorus girl to give him to get him the drugs and then the other thing that's going on at the same time here is that uh gwen's basically telling him hey the 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 cast is afraid to talk to you but they're sort of unhappy with uh how dark the show's getting and how it doesn't have an ending that satisfies right and that's sort of the the conflict of the first half of the episode or so well and it's also sort of around the fact that gwen has sacrificed so much yeah money wise and time and her reputation to keep to keep the show afloat while bob has been gone for i think it was four months four months yeah and and that all comes to a head and i in what i think is probably the best scene of the episode and, and one of my favorite scenes of the series of the so candor and Ebb have written nowadays and gwen sings it at the piano and uh bob wants to make the duet between gwen and cheetah rivera and i don't know who the actress playing cheetah rivera i don't know what her name is but she's fantastic i think she's great yeah she, i think she, it's terrific casting i think she's yeah. so good yeah uh, and they basically just, it comes to this conf- confrontation of, of Gwen being like, I don't care if you, th- what you think is best for the show. Like I've earned ending the show in this big way. And she, you know, accuses Bob of, of doing it to make it so it's not Gwen's show. So it's so like to dilute Gwen's star power and make it, make the show more right. about him. Um, and the I writers want... are are saying it's it's her song. We wrote this, and Cheetah's saying that too. Um, my one curiosity, and and I don't know, but it a little bit of that scene felt like wish fulfillment in a certain way, or like you're are you watching Barry this season? I think we've talked about it before. Yeah, I'm on I'm on episode two of season two right oh, now. Oh, okay. Well, I I won't say what i was gonna say but there's a there's a parallel in that show but uh, a little bit of me was like i wonder how much she really did voice all these things and how much of that is in retrospect just just from what i what i feel like you hear about their working relationship i don't know if she did but if she did that's that's great yeah i don't know i liked that scene that's all i know it was really good it was sad and scary and and then what and and then the, the scene cuts to them doing it as a duet which is like you know, which is like great the most, I, you know, it's like dramatic irony or, or whatever. Right. That that becomes the most iconic. Right. You know, one of the most iconic things in musical theater history for quite a while. Right. Is that. And, and Just knowing that's... that like that was the right decision, which is so frustrating and, and funny. And you know. right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the uh, that's the interesting thing about hindsight with uh, with with any sort of storytelling. But like, I, I guess with Chicago in. More, more than anything else in this show and the way that Gwen views Chicago, it's interesting knowing where it goes, knowing that this production that they do now runs for a little while and is a moderate success, but then that eventually, not that much longer afterwards, it'll be revived with Anne Ranking, like redoing Bob Fosse's choreography and starring in it. And that production is still running to this day. And like, you know, which is why Wayne Brady comes in and David Hasselhoff come in and just like that. It's like just knowing that it becomes this like, you know, tourist attraction. Midtown in the touchstone. Middle. Yeah, exactly. That like those billboards. I mean, I remember seeing I remember we would get like the New York Times when I was a kid, not living anywhere near near New York. But we would get like the Sunday New York Times and I would like read the arts and culture section and like those ads of whoever the new schlub in chicago was like and that was you know 
20, 15 years ago or whatever, and that show's still still running. It's just, it, I don't know, it's just an interesting thing that it's like, um, and I don't know how the residuals worked on that, but I assume Nicole Fossey has made a lot of money from that show. So just that idea of like, yeah, I would imagine. Gwen wanting to pass on an inheritance with this show and knowing that she did, but maybe not in the way that she wanted to, that people don't think of it as, I don't think people think of that as an iconic Gwen Verdon role necessarily. You kind of don't associate it right. with her as much. Um, it's just yeah. yeah I it, I going into the show thing. actually didn't didn't know that that Gwen Verdon was in the original cast. I I had no idea. I had maybe heard it yeah. heard it mentioned somewhere, but did, did had no clue. What else? Uh, what else is going on in this episode? Um, Oh, well, I guess the second half of the episode basically deals with the fact that uh, Gwen Verdon gets a piece of confetti in her throat and uh, has to get surgery uh, for it. And oh, go yeah. Out of this, the show this, for a few weeks. this vocal work. This oh, vocal work God. was incredible. I know. That's I was like thinking that same thing, like the way the raspiness that she does with her voice. I don't know how you like do. I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how you get that. How you fake that sound without I mean, really maybe there's special effects involved i don't know but yeah yeah without i saw your i saw a tweet that maybe was just maybe it's not true but someone was like i forget what tweet it was i wish i could like source it but it was someone basically saying like wow her michelle williams vocal coach was like incredible in that moment and someone from the production being like uh nope no vocal coach for that she just did that work on her own and brought it in and, and did it which is amazing. Yeah. That's, I mean, it'd, I, it'd be I amazing if she had a vocal I, coach I mean, also, I, but. Right, right. Either way, it's, it's, it's amazing. But I just, I don't know, just the, the watching Michelle Williams work over the course of the season, I believe that she was like going home every night and just doing a lot of work on this character and doing things yes. above and beyond what were asked. The, the, like the, the facial tics, the hand, that the way that she uses her hands, like this is a very studied, it's a mannered performance, but mannered often takes on negative connotations because it sounds like mannered at the sake, mannered in a way that makes it feel practiced. And hers is like uh-huh. clearly very studied, but also feels very fluid and free, I guess, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, it's... it's um... Yeah, I don't know. You're you're describing it exactly right. It's it's hard to put into words because it's sort of, in a good way, it's sort of a magical thing, and that's what makes a good performance. Is it's sort of un, indescribable in a way. Yeah, it reminds me of like some. I I don't know why this comparison necessarily, but sometimes you'll you'd see this with like Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I think is is an amazing a- actor. A hundred percent. Where it's just like he's taking really bold. He's making really bold choices, but making them in a way that never feels like he's out like you feel like you trust the performance so much yeah and it feels true to the character and it feels it's not just true emotionally to the character but the physical life of the character feels very true in a way that like you can see through bad acting when that's not the case yeah absolutely um yeah i think it's just it continues to be great um and and so yeah, throughout all this, we're also we're seeing these flashbacks to. Well, I, I guess let's continue the 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 vocal thing. So she goes on vocal rest, leaves the show for a few weeks, 
they bring in Liza Minnelli to replace her. I was disappointed we didn't get a like slightly older Liza coming in. I was I was excited to see that actor come back, but uh, hopefully they shot those scenes and, and the deleted scenes will uh, will leak out at some point. Um, we'll get them on the HD DVD copy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's a little Blu-ray joke for all my Blu-ray heads out there. All the console H- wars. HD DVD jokers. was the was the was the one that was not successful after it was Correct. hd dvd and blu-ray and hd dvd yeah hd dvd just doesn't doesn't flow well that's too many letters in a row it does not roll trippingly off the tongue as my no. boy billy shakes once said whereas blu-ray that's just cool how do i like my I mean, rays? that's a blue ass ray yeah uh that's like if uh <laughs> i don't know mr romano joined the blue man group or something uh be like hey you guys do so many drums here it's completely like you know weirdly that was like john c Riley in chicago yeah, that, that was pretty good yeah <laughs> mr Severfane, mr like, oh, nobody can nobody nobody sees me they can look right through me and never they know i'm there right <laughs> uh <laughs> wow, it's like he's in the room trying to kill me that's right um yeah, you know, I I, I sort of wanted a uh, a Jerry Orbach in this episode as well because he was playing Billy Flynn in the original. So mm. I want somebody in there with a fake eye doing the whole Jerry Orbach uh, <laughs> thing, but didn't get that either. That's this show can't. I can't just I can't just be begging for celebrity impressions. But I've also been a little disappointed. I mean, there's no obvious intersection point, but I I mean. This show could have had that Nick Kroll as a young Sondheim in at yep. some point and just hasn't hasn't found the moment. I don't think the moment's coming. I mean, I know they never, like, work together, but you could have had a party scene. Sondheim's over in a corner doing a crossword puzzle while Fosse's doing <laughs> blow in the other corner or whatever. Um, you know, who would have been really good casting for young Jerry Orbach is um, uh, Raul Esparza. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. He would be. They've got they've got similar um, similar like I just looked up a wide open it. singing voices like the lullaby of you know just that sort of like <laughs> mouth wide open like I <laughs> um let's see and and uh, oh we've got that uh, we got Nicole at the uh, at the dance recital um. That. Yeah, that scene. I, so I didn't love that scene. That felt like a little, a little yeah, like I, um, like okay, we get it. The home life is not great, and the the working relationship extends beyond the home life. But like, there's something about watching that scene where like it, it felt very much penned from someone's yes. memory versus what is realistic. That's, yes, I, I here's my guess of of how that went down. Is like they're like trying to get ideas for the show. You know, talking to Nicole, interviewing her for the show, and she's like. Yeah, I remember this one time that I was, like, so excited about this ballet concert or this recital, you know. And I just remember, like, my parents in the car ride home afterwards not even talking to me about my dance. They were just, like, arguing about Chicago. And then they were, like, and oh, they were, like, like, they were, like, they were, talking all the way through the recital. And she was, like, no, no, I didn't even notice them in the audience. But, well, but what if they were, like, talking during the recital and Jake Lacey's there sort of looking over at, the, you know, it's just, like, one of those it's like and, and they brought a gun, moments. right? They brought a gun to the right. recital and they shot right. everyone in the room. Right. Um... But then I, I thought I thought there was nice. I like that scene of them dropping of Jake Lacey and I love that scene. 
dropping and, them uh, off Margaret at Qualley? Yeah. Oh, I have a good Margaret Qualley related story that I should bring up. Um, so last night I was I walked to my local movie theater um, to see Booksmart, that movie uh, uh-huh. just yeah. came out. And I'm walking right up to the theater. It's like around the corner. And I walk past someone who looks very familiar. And I think was that Andy McDowell. And so now whatever I, I don't know if you do this whenever you think you see a celebrity, but the first thing I do now is go to their Instagram and see if they posted any recent stories so I can see if they're like wearing that clothing. And I'm like, I don't know if that was Andy McDowell. She was just like walking by herself away from this movie theater wearing like a leopard print jacket. And I was just like, I don't know, that looked kind of like Andy McDowell, but I don't really think it was necessarily her. But I... Uh, look, I find her Instagram and she does have recent stories and the most recent story is her standing in front of the Booksmart poster clearly at this movie theater and it says uh, it like I don't listen to it but it says in text on it like Margaret's friend Caitlin is in a movie called Booksmart <laughs> heard it's so good and uh, and then I listened to it and it's Annie McDowell saying I wanted to see it, but the tickets are sold out. And this was like two hours earlier. But she's walking away from the movie theater like she just left. So I was trying to figure out what had, did Andy McDowell go in and see Longshot instead or something? I think mm. that's the most likely thing that she walked. But anyway, I felt because I was like, anyway, I'm going back again tonight to see if there's a ground day situation where I walk past her again. Groundhog day situation. Because uh, sure. You know, that's I ha- I have to figure it out now. If uh, if I'm in a Groundhog Day loop, that's what happens if you see Andy McDowell. Those crazy Qualiwood stories. That's right. You know, like you gotta you gotta when you see a when you see it. I I some people call it Qualiwood. I call it Quali weird, but uh, you know. <laughs> I hate that uh, that tickled me the way that it did. <laughs> Uh, okay. So, yeah, I so like then, that scene between the two of them a lot. Yeah, there. I, it was just a nice. I, I'm. I'm. I always like actually those Jake Lacey, Margaret Qualley scenes because I find these two characters who are like both fairly normal seeming people who have ended up in relationships with these people who are like have this weird like cosmic tie to each other and lead yes. these very dramatic lives and there's these two people who are both like 20 years younger than them who are like hey and how's it going being like yeah. hey yeah sure yeah i'll pick him up i'll pick him up later no sure. problem sure yeah I'll, I'll, I'll pick him up later sure yeah <laughs> that's terrible that's not good <laughs> uh, is that yeah, pinocchio do you, do you do you want to do you want to come inside <laughs> I don't know. I can't do it. Oh my god, are, are you okay? are you stuck in a whale's belly with your dad by yeah. any chance? <laughs> that was my. Uh, that was my. That nose. was your nose. I should have said no first. I should have said no. Um, but then the flashbacks throughout the episode are to the story of them trying to to conceive Nicole. Um, these are fairly standard issue. Fosse Bird yeah. flashbacks at this point. I didn't necessarily think uh, there was a ton to be gained from them, though. I, I when when you do make that comparison to like the 
birthing a child and birthing a show, I find that pretty compelling. And the there's there was an interesting the like the um the pain inflicted on the woman specifically in the process. Like I thought it was interesting that uh, it's established very early on that it's Fosse's sperm that are the issue. And right. yet then we see Gwen go through like all of these very painful right, like procedures. Treatments and yeah. Which is which on its face and on its own is just like an interesting commentary on on the, the like the way that the, the system works to like the the burden is on the woman and Right. You know, she's like apologizing when she like gets her period. She's like, I'm so sorry and it's like, no, it's still it's he's the one who's infertile. Uh but then when you right. extend that to be talking about their working relationship and the birthing of Chicago, I think that's also interesting that, like, he is the one who is right, who creatively is infertile. Struck, struck down in some way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, he's the one who's, like, unable to be there. He, he They have to put off the show for four months because of his health problems. He's unfocused during rehearsals because he doesn't have his speed. And yet the failure of the show the potential for failure of the show is like it's her burden they rests on her shoulders because she's the face of it she's the she's the mother of the show he's just the absent father uh so i i actually i do find that that pretty well done now that now that you bring it to my stupid brain's attention (laughs) i'm trying to remember how this episode ended and I, I truly cannot remember. I believe it ends ends with the dream sequence, or you know, the her singing the the thing that I thought was cabaret, but the the you know going back into the the framing device. Yeah. But but may, yeah. maybe it doesn't. Now that I think about it, I'm not sure. Me and Allie had a lot of friends who were like, "You have to watch this episode. It's like amazing." And I kind of, I thought this was a really good episode, but I, penultimate episodes are always hard, I think. But like, especially I, for I a mini series like this. Yeah. Cause I watched this being like, oh man, some bombshell shit is about to go down. What's go, what's happening? No pun intended. What we listened to this first season of Smash Bros, a bombshell, the musical on NBC. It hit me like bring a, back Smash. a bombshell. It hit me like a bombshell. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> when you think about how. I mean, we we can't compare, but we can. No, but it, I will. it's like even when you like we like like whatever you're about to say about this episode that it like slightly underwhelmed given those expectations or whatever. When you think about just even like a not great episode of Fosse Verdon, although I I do want to discuss that because I actually did like this episode a lot. But like the oh the I like this episode a lot. No, no, I just I, was yeah. expecting. Oh, I think I hadn't had it built up. But what I was going to say is just like the distance between that and like the very best possible episode of smash is so yeah i'd say it's about enormous. i don't know it's like, like 380 four miles inch worms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i keep trying to come up with different the... numbers of ish inchworms and i've said four every time <laughs> always four <laughs> um anyway sorry say your piece on it and and i i know you're not saying it's bad but but keep going no i have no piece besides just uh it was it was built up quite a lot and uh maybe i don't I remember it being a perfectly impactful episode and good. And I guess that's just now me taking for granted the fact that I think this is a good show. I talked to someone recently who was like, oh, I really don't like the show. 
And I was like, really? What what don't you like about it? And they were like, I just don't like when things are jumping around timelines with no for no reason. But and I, I was like, not oh, for no reason at all. Yeah, I was like, oh, every single jump that they've made in time is informing the other part of time. And he was like, well, I don't know. And I was like, oh, okay, so you're you're just you just are wrong, and it's okay. Yeah, I mean, because that's an interesting thing because I do. I mean, I, I have I have nit not nitpicked those, but I've like investigated those moments because I do feel similarly to what he's saying about not liking it when time cuts happen for no reason. Like I do feel like they should be justified, but I think this show really does justify them well and does it in a way that doesn't just feel it doesn't even feel like the base level good justification is just like a moment informs b moment and it's like you you put these two things together but i feel like this show's even is working on a higher level than that even where it's like i agree the very i mean we've talked about this a fair amount but like the very the rhythm of the edits and the the way Mm -hmm. that that x calls back to y which calls back to z i think it's just like it's 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 a delicate tightrope walk but it is just like it's it's bouncing between all these things in a really in a really uh effective way i think for this for this episode for me i didn't have it built up at all nobody had said anything about it to me and i've been asking every i go hey what what'd you think and people are just like turn away and walk away uh, but uh, <laughs> they say I'm Andy McDowell. Leave me yes. alone. <laughs> I say your daughter is in the show. Of all the people for me to ask, it feels. I mean, <laughs> I feel like you might be watching, but um, uh, she's just lining up for movies that are sold out. Fandango, Andy, ever heard of it? Um, Fandangi, Fandandy, Fandandy, <laughs> Fandandy. Um, God, I'm so tired. I said Fandangi first. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. I do like it. Fandangi Mc Fandangi McMovie fan. Um, but uh, this episode, I think for me, I had a thought while watching it, where like three quarters of the way through, I was like, "Is this my favorite episode of Fosse Burden?" And then I was like, "Oh, am I just at a place? Is this show just in the pocket for me, where every episode?" I'm going to think is this my yeah every episode, episode is I think, is just a good one I think that's the thing is it's just like it's just sort of it's a show where I'm just like yeah I like that I like that I'm happy to see that I'm happy to see that and it has my trust to a degree where I'm like even if I even if for most of the episode I'm like why are we seeing this I, it doesn't make me sometimes if I'm asking questions about the show it like distracts me from it and makes me de-invest in it you know and in in this case i'm not i'm not pulling my money when i have questions i'm not pulling my money out of the market i'm just like all right i'm excited to see how this pays off um so i i like this episode a lot i am i'm like i'm getting the like the sunday scaries about this the end of this yeah thing like where because for me i mean penultimate episodes i know exactly what you're talking about about them being rough i think finales are even tougher and especially sure. series finales and that's what this effectively is because it's yeah like, it's crazy to think about this as a series finale but it totally is right and you know i would love it. i mean we, we might talk about this more next week i would love it if and i i don't know that it will because it doesn't seem like it's been too big of a hit but like i don't think that they should do more Fosse Verdon, but I think 
if they were to the x slash x if that were the ongoing oh you know american horror story style thing and it doesn't even have to be always i mean personally i would love it if it were always broadway stuff but if it were just like things about interesting creative partnerships that's very told in this style we can we can brainstorm next week what some that we'd like to see but i think i'm a little nervous about just like uh you you have so much when the show is a jazz set in the way that it is it's like what's the big jazz sets don't have big crescendoing finales and so I'm a little bit like, okay, so is the next episode just another riff of the jazz set? Which I, you know, again, I trust them. I I trust them to do what they do, and I and I am still and now I'm I'm somewhat doubting our all that jazz predictions. I'm almost yeah. wondering if they just don't go there. But then I, they I did watch the like scenes from next week's which I haven't previously done, but I watched that with this. And oh, I, I did didn't. See, I had never do that. I saw I, I saw Patty Chayefsky had gray hair, so they do sometime does pass. Um, or maybe he's just doing a production where he has to dye his hair gray. Did that, you ever that, think of that, Jimmy? <laughs> you uh, simple-minded... I, I think uh, for a stage production, they probably just use some sort of temporary dye or a wig, and this scene was like outside so i don't know why he would have mm-hmm. dyed it maybe they used maybe um, he wore his wig and he ran out like ivy in her angel costume there it is yes very yeah. good very good um all right well we can we can uh, can wrap things up there um i have an oh, idea of uh, oh, something i want you to ruminate on okay well it's just your your thing got me thinking about famous partnerships and i think they should remake this with kermit and piggy as honestly? Bob Fosse and and Gwen Verdon. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that would be pretty great. <laughs> I would. I, okay, so then the thing. So obviously, Fozzie Bear is Patty Chayefsky. Um, yeah. And then it's Fozzie Verdon. Fo- oh, yeah, that's true. It, it almost feels like it should, yeah. it should be that way. Uh, Ratso Rizzo is Neil Simon. I don't know. We'll, we'll think about it. Yeah. More. No, I want to think about it now. <laughs> I don't know my Muppets that well. The Muppets are when... I know, like, I've got, like, base-level Muppets knowledge, but sometimes people get deep into Muppets-related bits, you know, this sort of thing, recasting movies as Muppets, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Sure. There's Beaker. Anne Ranking is the one with long hair and, like, closed eyes. You know which one I'm talking about? Uh, I don't I think know her I, name. I, I think I do, yeah, and and that's a, that's a very good call. And then you have to have some people played by human characters... I guess. Uh, yeah, like Maria and um, I guess that's, that's Sesame that's Street. Sesame Street, yeah. <laughs> All right. Gordon, I, think, I think it's clearly clearly time to, to end this. Um, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, uh, you know, write to FX, tell them to, to remake the show with Muppets or to do another season with uh, Tina and Ike Turner. Uh <laughs> Don't do that. Um, and uh, until then, and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see you for the finale next week. That's yeah, I crazy. mean, maybe even yeah. I mean, it literally airs uh, tomorrow, probably tonight, while you guys are listening to this. So maybe we'll even be back. Yeah, so maybe uh, we'll release maybe. this sooner. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but until next week, uh, 
view you later. We will view you later. View you later, fellas. fellas. Goodbye. Bye-bye. To find more Smash Bros, go to smashbros.fun. That's S-M-A-S-H-B-R-O-S dot F-U-N. Or find us on iTunes where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Smash Bros is produced in New York City by me, Marty Scanlon, and hosted by me and Jimmy Blackman. I'm on Twitter at Jimmy Blackman, and Marty is at MC Scan. If you know Brian Darcy James and think he would be down to do this podcast and maybe sing on it for us, what the hell are you doing? Tell him to email us at podcastsmashbros at gmail.com. We'll see you next week on The Great White Way. And now, Brian Brian Darcy Darcy James. James.